leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Stubby J from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to Hard Day Diaries, the podcast where we talk with people about problems they faced in life and how they got through them and on the road to recovery. I'm your host, Andy Matfield. I am not a mental health specialist and want to encourage anyone to seek help if they need it. Today's guest is comedian Tim Harmston. Enjoy. I think that I'll choose to talk about my battle with uh, OCD. Yeah how I came out on the other side and how it sort of was a confluence of OCD and uh, comedy. <laughs> yeah, how the two mingled together. And, <laughs> the two sort of uh, collided at one point in my life. So well, that is, I think it's going to be a fun thing to talk about. When did OCD start for you? Do you remember what that? It started in, I had it in high school and then the first year I was in college and then it would disappear for large stretches of time. And then uh, it came back full force right around the time I started comedy, which I was 30 years old. What, uh, what kind of behaviors would you, would you do? Like what was your, it, your triggers for it your It was OCD? all centered around anything that had to do with me causing someone else to die. So, okay. Yeah. So you had, uh, <laughs> if you touched something wrong, you'd yeah. have to do a certain behavior so many times before it would. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, it wasn't even like, well, like for instance, if I drove home and I hit a pothole and I thought that that was a baby or something that I, some small child that had run out, I would have to drive around the block, you know, 10 or 12 times to assure myself that you know, and then the next day I would check the newspapers to see if there was an unreported hit and run or, a, you know, a hit and run that had yeah. got on. Or, you know, if I had like one time I was flying, this is a good example of how it works. If you're not familiar with how this type of OCD works, <laughs> I was flying to Detroit to hang out with a girl that I had just started dating and I had left my backpack in the overhead luggage compartment, and I noticed that some um, pennies and quarters that I'd had in a little pocket zip-up on the side of the backpack had opened, and so there was, like, change all over the thing. And people were trying to wait for me. I was We were getting off the plane, and I'm, like, picking up all this change, and people are getting impatient, and they're like, sir, you need to move, you know? And I'm like, no, I got it. And I started to get, like, every penny I could because there's, like, 20 pennies that had come out of my bag or whatever because I, I was sure that if one penny was 
loose in the overhead luggage compartment it would like work its way into the engine somehow and like explode the engine or whatever you know like, or cause an electrical failure and the plane would crash or something you know like wow. just completely irrational behavior or not behavior but just completely irrational thoughts and most people would be like oh it's just a penny you know flying around on the inside of an airplane it's yeah, not gonna it'll just make a weird sound yeah which also could cause someone to take care of a business elsewhere you know? yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that's just one example of maybe a, a thousand different scenarios that could derail your day and then i think as a result i started stand-up comedy right at at the flare of my worst episode it was like a two-year span of where it was debilitating so i would go out do comedy and then i would worry about you know for instance if i was hosting an open mic or something i would i would give a young first time i mean i was a young comedian to begin with but if i gave someone an introduction that was too mean or too you know, sarcastic, or I made a joke as a host might do when you're yeah. growing up that that person would get sad and have suicidal thoughts. Or something. You, know, you like, would be the, the person that caused. <laughs> I that. would be the the trigger that caused them to wow go over the edge. So in some ways, it's like you couldn't win, and that's the thing about OCD is that there's if you have an imagination, which I do and you do as yeah. as a comedian and. You know, I'm I'm a person with a really broad imagination. I can, it works against you because you're the diseased part of your brain can Im- imagine any scenario where something yep. would happen that would cause someone else to to die or whatever. Yeah, so that's exactly the the similar thing I have is um, I imagine every scenario that could be possible, and then my brain will run which one's most likely. So most of the time, it's not an op- like an awful thing, but sometimes it'll get real weird. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, in my dating life, I've just had to tell my significant others like, "Hey, you can't. If you're mad at me, you you just have to tell me right away. Otherwise, yeah, my brain will figure out what I did wrong, and it will be exhausting for me." And then it won't be good for you because then we'll both be arguing. And but my brain will now hold it against you, and it's just and I don't want to do that. So yeah, yeah, just. yeah. It's like a computer. It's almost in some ways like your brain is a, a old binary code computer, and it'll keep running cycles of zeros and ones, and you know until it figures out the thing that, yeah. that will torture you the most. Oh yeah. <laughs> And then it'll get you too in the middle. My brain also does, uh, it likes to just let me run my body in the middle of the night. So like I walk in my sleep, I talk in my sleep, I do all sorts of, because my body's just like, oh, we got other stuff to do. You just take the, you know, sit this one out. Yeah. So when I'd get blackout drunk, my body would just take care of the rest and I'd always get home and that's one of the reasons I stopped drinking. Wow. (laughs) Yikes. It's not safe. It is not. No. And, and you don't, I mean, I think when you have a, you know, a predisposition to depression or OCD. Drinking mm-hmm. is really bad because cause you wake up the next day and you're like, you can run any scenario in your head about how you ruined someone's life or made a fool out of yourself yeah. or ruined your own career. Or and So it's, it's um, yeah, I wish that I didn't drink, but I still do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything in moderation, though, in right? moderation. As long as you're yes. not getting to the point where you're like, ah, I'm feeling pretty loose. Let's give this a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's when things get real bad. <laughs> yeah. 
I I just I don't drink and do stand up. It's one thing I can't do. My brain gets really loose. I'm already weird. My brain gets super weird, and it derails me every time. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it when I see people such as yourself that just know they're just like I just I can't drink. You know, like I, mm. I really applaud that, and it's it really took time. It's yeah, it's really such a great moment in self discovery. I guess when when a person can say it just doesn't work for me anymore. I was using it as a crutch and, you know, just like we're talking here where you find something that quote unquote works for you. And then you realize you think that becomes your brain starts to go, Oh, I need to do this. Yeah. Otherwise I can't. So part of when I stopped drinking was proving to myself that I could. Yes. And everything's gotten better for me without it. Even though I still like drinking, I just, yeah, I haven't in since September. Yeah. It's been, it's been a few months. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you know, back to, back to your OCD. That's worrying that you you might affect someone's death. Yeah, that one's got to be kind of one of the worst ones because I've seen. <laughs> yeah, one, one of my friends won't touch doorknobs. Mm-hmm. Just won't do it. The the other fascinating thing about OCD is that I think there's so many different variations on it. I don't know what the the clinical term for it is, mm-hmm. or iterations, or yeah, strains or whatever. But you know, I've seen people that you know can't touch fruit. At, they'll go to the grocery store and they won't touch an apple because someone else will get their germs. And you know, it's all kind of the same thing. Is that there's an overriding disaster that will happen or an impending disaster at the end of your behavior, and you and and is your behavior irresponsible? It's trying to basically make you be a perfect human being, and even then, it. it it's not going to go away um, because, you know, it'll find a way to corrupt the perfection somehow. And, and so, yeah, it's always evolving. Yeah, it's always evolving to, to stay ahead. And, and so in some ways, it is a very exhausting disease because if it's going on, if you're in a flare up or an episode and it's in your mind you're battling it all the time. Like you're constantly battling it. You're battling it in the car on the way to work or you're battling it at work. You're, yeah. you're sitting, you know, you're having dinner with your girlfriend. It's in your, it's playing off in your head. You're never really fully engaged in anything because just off to the back of your mind in your, your brain is this battle going on. And so it's exhausting and that exhaustion would lead to depression, you know? And, and yeah. so you'd, find yourself just staying in bed because you're like, well, it's safer just to be in bed because then at least I won't touch an apple that causes somebody to get cancer or something. Yeah. You you won't be a part in that uh, butterfly effect. Yeah. So, you know, as it related to comedy, it was, I would go on stage, you know, I was very young and new at, at this and I would make a joke that if there was someone in the audience that groaned, let's say it was a joke about something to do with race, you know, or something that could potentially make someone sad in the audience. I'm not qualified as a year, year old comedian, you know, to be making certain jokes. <laughs> I couldn't handle the subject, hot subject, so to speak. Like, um, you're still figuring out your voice. Yeah. So I'm why still it? finding my voice. And there's that clumsy, awkward moment where you make a joke that, might hurt somebody and then I would go home and I would I would I would almost try to like 
go back to the bar in my mind or the show and see who that person was and try to track them down and, and, yeah. and apologize, you know, like, like I couldn't just let a joke be if someone groaned, I thought that I had really hurt them. Yeah. And so it made doing comedy like amazingly difficult because there was hardly any set. And I'm not like Mr. Edgy out on the high wire rope telling crazy jokes. It's just that <laughs> even if it involved somebody in the audience's appearance, like, oh, look at this guy, he's bald or whatever. Yeah. And then I'll I'll envision a scenario in my mind where that guy had a, just got fired from work, his wife left him, and that bald comment of mine is the thing that's going <laughs> to... That's what pushed him <laughs> over. It's going to push him over the edge, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I would go home from most shows feeling really awful about myself. And So you would try not to connect with the audience just so yeah. you couldn't hurt yeah. them in a way that you felt was you know damaging yeah. yeah i would just kind of keep to myself and you know on the other side of that like if i did have a good set and i managed to not feel like i offended anybody the the euphoria of doing something new and making someone laugh and feeling good about it also helped ease the pain of suffering OCD you know yeah and so it became like this gambit every time I would go out where I was like am I gonna make it better or I'm gonna make it worse tonight so did you feel (laughs) that like when you would do well that would reinforce the OCD by saying hey no we're right we didn't cause this tonight yeah I mean like if I did well I would like a typical experience for me would be like go to Acme on a Monday night and get on stage and then have a good set. And because that's, you know, what, what the big thing was back then was to have a good set on a Monday night because it still the, is. Yeah. And then, and it, because you're like showing the other comics, you're showing, you know, the bookers, you're showing everyone that, hey, I can do this. I can be funny, you know. And so if I had a great set, I would go home and then I would just sit there and go around and around and try to find a place that would kill that euphoria. Like I'd try to find a thing, like maybe your joke was was sexist or maybe, you know, I would like try to pick out something to make me not feel good, you know? Yeah, it was a really frustrating time for me. But Do you remember when you kind of had this like realization that this wasn't going to work and you needed to find a way to get past that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I had a couple of shows where... I made comments to people in the crowd and somebody like kind of gossiped about it and said, Oh, her, I heard that you, I heard that you pissed off somebody. It was like a Coon Rapids and Willie's or Coon Rapids. (laughs) Like I said something to somebody and I guess I offended his girlfriend or something. And it was just like a dumb joke. And, and so it kind of made its way through our friend community that you're like, oh, yeah, you should have heard what Tim said, you know. And the, so that the other fact that it wasn't just in my mind, it was that the other people had heard that I had made someone really uncomfortable. And I just kind of had a breakdown and I, I couldn't shake it. And I couldn't, no matter what I did, I always, I was afraid to get back on stage because I just, I was like, I just can't take this anymore. I can't go on stage I can't win if I have a good set or have a bad set I'm going to punish myself either way and the thoughts won't stop and so I broke down and I found a I went into the uh, yellow pages that's how long ago it was 
and found a, a therapist for, for obsessive compulsive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I had been to therapy before, like just regular talk therapy, but having someone who was specializing in obsessive compulsive behavior was really new to me. So, and I, and I'm sure like a lot of people that suffer from OCD think that, oh, well, this person's going to try to retrain my brain mm-hmm. and I'm too smart for that. It's not going to work or, or I'm, I'm too intelligent for this kind of, it's like cognitive behavioral therapy is what it is yeah. basically. So, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I think a lot of people have this idea that, that it's a trick. It's like, yep. a, it's like watching a magician, you know, it's not real. <laughs> it's a trick. You know, there's something behind. Yeah. yeah. You th- and you think, you think you're too smart. You're like, well, I'm mm-hmm. too smart to let some guy with a psychology degree, you know, trick me into being something else or whatever. But I was at the end of my rope to where it was ruining all my fun, you know. So mm-hmm. everything about life wasn't fun anymore because I couldn't stop thinking that I had hurt people. So yeah. I just kind of broke down. I kind of hit rock bottom and uh, went in and uh, saw a young therapist. He was, he was very young. He was like just right out of school, but he was fantastic. Right away, like the minute I began telling him, like, oh, my brain won't allow me to make jokes because I keep thinking that I'm hurting people Mm -hmm. with these. And, you know, he'd say, well, you know, and he would just ask me a question. And it was like every answer I was giving him, he had heard before. Like he knew the symptoms of what I was, you know, he made it so that I didn't feel crazy anymore. Yeah, or alone. Or alone, yes. Yeah. That's the biggest thing because you feel it's a defeatist feel. You know, yep. you feel no matter what you do, you can't win. Yep. But there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, and right away, like, like instantly, hearing him say these things that made me feel like I wasn't a freak. You know, that this is this is a thing that really exists that a lot of people suffer with, and you're totally normal, and you're totally safe here and I'm not going to say you're crazy or, you know, and it really began a, a long process of reversing these thoughts. And I mean, like anything, it's repetition. You know, and you get into it, what you put into it. It sounds like you definitely sat in and you did the work. So do you have like, I don't want to say training or techniques or is there anything specific yeah. that you do when you notice? Oh yeah. Like, like, uh, with, with cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of it is like exposure based or mm-hmm. if there's something that you're fearful of, go expose yourself to it and yeah. see if you die. Do you leave change on planes now? <laughs> I do. I, uh, I, it's so funny though. Like I still, I mean, I, and, and don't think that it like just disappears because oh, no. for a lot of people that have these, you know, depression or OCD, it sticks with you forever. It's just not as intense, you know? Yeah. You know, we, when we went to lunch, like I, I still had to wash my hands before I, you know, and everyone should wash their hands yeah. before they <laughs> eat. But sometimes like I'll carry some hand sand or whatever, but, mm-hmm. and that's totally normal behavior but sometimes it just gets a little bit farther than maybe it should you know when you let the leash go a little longer than you should there are a lot of tools that ocd people employ Mm -hmm. to deal with their problems and you know like i said exposure or uh um i can't really think of of a specific one offhand just things you can summon like Mm -hmm. oh this framework of 
ideas I can talk about, I can think about, and it'll help get me back in that mode where I know that I'm normal and this is okay. And, you yeah. know. You're a person and you're, you're not a murderer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and like, uh, oh God, I, I, you know, cause he gave me, you know, he gave me a lot of like worksheets, like here, fill this out. When this happens, do you feel this way? And mm-hmm. you know, by, on a scale of one to 10, you know, and, and, and he gave, there's a lot of homework involved in it. And it's homework you're happy to do because you're like, yeah, I don't want to this is, live in a nightmare anymore. This is a path to recovery. This is how, you know, if I'm going to get better, you got to do, excuse me, yeah, gotta go through it. Yeah. And so a lot of those exercises are a part of, you know, I call it spinning. When you start spinning and you start having a panic attack, there are parachutes that you can pull from your, your training or from your therapy that will stop it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very um, nice. What's what's one that you, you use that you can just think of off the top of your head? Well, one, like like I said, I had a problem with driving around the block thinking that I ran someone over. Mm-hmm. So if I heard a noise, this is going to sound really stupid, but a lot of them are really weird things. But like if I heard a noise when I drove, I would drive around the block, even in the daylight. Even mm-hmm. like when you can look in your mirror and look yeah. back, there's not like a clearly see something. A kid on a bicycle <laughs> flattened on the <laughs> middle of the road. A ball bouncing sadly I, without its owner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would like still drive around and check the newspapers, watch mm-hmm. the nightly news, see if anybody died because there was a hit and run or something. Yeah. And so one thing that I would do as an example would be I'd like put I'd get like a a twig or a log, a small piece of wood, like a and I would put it in the road behind my house, mm-hmm. and I would drive over it, and I would not look back. I would so just you keep... could, you knew that that sound was normal. You're just yep. normalizing the sound and knowing that now that you didn't hit a person, you just hit a road hazard. Yeah, and, and you just have to force yourself because even then, even though you know mm-hmm. that you put that, you know, it's just like a two foot long twig. You still know you put that object there, but your instinct is to look back and start wondering, was that a child? Even though I put it there, I bet it could have been a child, you know? Yeah. And like, and so you just force yourself to keep driving down the road. Yeah. So much could happen in that small amount of time is what your brain is trying to tell you. But you're like, exactly. no, I'm the cause of this. This is, this is fine. Exactly. This is normal. That's that immersion therapy kind of deal where yeah. you're just facing your fears in kind of a safe environment. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and there's, you know, a bunch of other things like that. and Or, you know, like taking a a piece of fruit. And the fruit thing was never really my worst thing, but mm-hmm. sometimes it would be me. I would make up my own exposure therapies. Like I would go <laughs> I would go to Cub Foods or wherever, buy an apple, take it home, and eat the apple without washing it. And just, just, just to say, you know, and I might get the flu or I might, you yeah. know, whatever, you know, I mean, I may, yeah. but 99% of the time I wouldn't get sick. It was just like, I would yeah. just eat the apple. And if you do it enough, you realize I'm not going to die or conversely, I'm not, someone else isn't going to die if they didn't eat an apple that I touched. Yeah. You know? In reality though, you're also taking that apple out of scenario. So now... If that would have been the one they choked on, you saved them from that apple. Yeah. You're a savior. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And you can develop a savior complex and then it just, you can cycle <laughs> an entirely keeps, different way. It keeps way. going and going and going. Yeah. When you would use it, did you use it to like embrace writing before when you first would go out with OCD? Would you think that you could use it to harness 
Well, you know, I've I've heard of I have heard of people saying that OCD can be harnessed to, to do you know like oh clean your house extra great because you know <laughs> you've harnessed your OCD, but I don't you know it was a little bit weird for something in a creative field to harness like that's the thing with comedy as I'm sure you understand that where it's like you can sit and stare at a notebook over and over and over and over again and sometimes it's just not nothing's gonna happen yep (laughs) it's like and sometimes things do happen the way you're like oh that's a good joke i'm gonna excited to try that out i I don't think ocd ever helped me in any way like i don't think it ever made me more creative or more motivated or work harder or whatever i just think it's just you know it's just a part of me Mm -hmm. and it's just you know something that you deal with and just as anyone might deal with diabetes or whatever. Yeah. Most people would say, I wish I never had diabetes. <laughs> I wish yeah. I never had OCD. But it's just something you deal with. So, you know, you're taking the right steps. You got help. You know, you, you found out, I can't do this for myself. I need to get better. I need to get on the path to recovery. Yeah. And you're still embracing that. You're not thinking after so long of not doing it, that, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. You're staying on top of it. And it's the same thing with alcoholism. You don't drink for a long time, and you just think, "Oh, I haven't drank in a while. I can have one." Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't. It's it's just part of what it is. You you got to keep getting better, and you got to look at it as recovery, and it's a lifelong thing. Yeah, it is, and I do feel like with depression or OCD, you can't really ever feel like you're in the clear. You just have mm-hmm. to know when you need to get help. Do you remember a moment when you felt, "Wow, this is really working." Yeah, I do. I there there are t- there, I I do. I mean, one time, you know, I told a, a really bad joke. I, t- I used to do this joke about not wanting to have kids, mm-hmm. and it. Well, <laughs> I did it on uh, on TV, but it's about it's basically just kind of disparaging people that that have kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I did a, a corporate party, and you know, it's good name. It's not like I'm saying I hate people that have kids because <laughs> I don't. But, but the tone of the joke is like, "Haha, look at me! I don't have kids, and you yeah. do." And I looked down, and there's a the one of the um, ladies that worked at the company was very pregnant, <laughs> and two of her friends looked at her, and she looked sad, and two of her friends. Gave me the frowny face, like, oh, you're mean. They gave me that look. You're ruining your pregnancy. <laughs> exactly. And and I, you know, during the show, you see that, you see that interaction, you know, and and you just you have no choice but to keep doing your jokes. And I feel like I felt like, you know what, like five years ago, I would have been super, I would have gone home and I would have said, I ruined that lady yeah, that baby probably killed itself that baby probably it, it knows it's a problem yeah yeah i ruined that you know and but instead i just shrugged it off and you know and that's i shrugged it off went home mm-hmm. and forgot about it and that's the key to stand up comedy you see the really great comedians they just keep going they, and just like professional golfers if you miss a putt and it's super yeah. frustrating. You can't afford to hang on to it. You just keep moving forward. And yeah, it's in the past. It's in the past. That's all it is. You know, yeah. you you can't go back and change it. The yeah. only thing you can do is try not to repeat it. And that's that's OCD too. That's a great line of thinking for people that have OCD. Is just you can't go back and ruminate on things mm-hmm. that you just have to move forward. And so that's another part of the therapy too. Is is realizing that sometimes you just 
you know, you just can't afford to care about all these things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you only have so much time. Yeah. You know. And, and energy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you keep holding on to that, you know, the next time when you're in front of someone, if you're still holding on to it, now you're affecting not only your time, but their time too. And then that's that that's where the spiral starts. Yep. You start to really just get into that spiral. I'm just happy to talk about it because, you know, I, I see people that suffer with OCD, depression, and, you know, it's nothing to ever be ashamed of. And it's never, a, it's never, a, you know, I think some people might even feel better if they hear someone else talking about it. Especially if it's someone you look up to. I mean, there's a lot of people that look up to you out there. And in general, there's a lot of people that just, they feel alone. And it's always nice to kind of see that this person you look up to, you know, with this, in your mind, you always go through a scenario and you build like this little life that the person has outside of where you know them. So it's always nice to kind of see, oh, I have that too. Or I struggle with that from people that you look up to and respect. It's yeah, it's a cool thing. It's a terrible thing to, to live with. So whenever I... I see people that are struggling with it. I always, you never know how to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know like, Hey, can I help you? Or do you, yeah. it's, yeah. it's such a hard thing for people to reach out. So if it's on a podcast, it's very, <laughs> it's very detached. So yeah. I don't know who might be listening to this, but if, if you're suffering from OCD, please, you know, see a therapist or cognitive behavioral therapy is very, mm -hmm. it's very effective. I would say it's working for you. Things seem to be going pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I still get little bits of it here and there, but mm -hmm. I think it, it's one of the things that I'm, I feel good about it. You know, when I go to bed at night, is that I'm not usually spinning around ruminating about how one of my jokes hurt someone. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you feel in control of it finally. Yeah, like you're in a spot where it's it's no longer your master. Yeah. Here. It's just that little piece that will always be there, but you know it doesn't have as much of a, yeah. a spot on the board as it used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's no longer the CEO. It's just some guy who has a little bit of stock, a little bit of pull. Yeah, I appreciate you coming in. This is uh, this was fun, and I look forward to uh, if you ever want to come back, if you want to do some other stuff, or just in general, just cool. Uh, let me know. I'd love to have you back. Thanks for having me and for uh, talking. And thanks, man. All right, thanks, Steve. That does it for this episode of Hard Day Diaries. Thanks for listening. You can find my guest Tim Harmston at Acme Comedy Club February 1st through 3rd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Check out his website at www.timharmston.com, at Tim Harmston on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at andymatfield.com, at Matfield on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks to Stubby J at the 40 Podcast Network for helping me through the hiccups, Tim Harmston for coming in and sharing, Michaela for doing some great art for the show, and to all the people that supported me during the creation stage of the show, please like, subscribe, and comment on the show. Thanks for listening, and let me know about your hard days. Leftovers. Or Ch -ch 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 the DMV. Number 97. Or house cleaning. Or Ch -ch 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 
Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.